Dane and Derek is an uncensored, unfiltered podcast. You can find content warnings in the episode description. Thank you for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back, finally, to Dane and Derek, your favorite uncensored, unfiltered, unwhatevered podcast where Dane and I talk about stuff. And today I am Derek, as always, but what I do doesn't matter. Uh, Dane, you're up. Hi, I am up. And and just for everyone, I, I'm alive. Hi, I, I still live. Um, I am the reason that we have been gone for so long. Sorry. Um, but that also doesn't matter because we have a wonderful guest today. Uh, someone near and dear to my heart, Derek's heart. I'm going to speak for you, Derek. Yes, go ahead. And speak this person is, is near and dear to Derek's heart, too. Um, Clara, Hi. <laughs> Hi guys, it's me, Clara. What's up, Clara? So I need you, you to say unfiltered and like that makes it sound like you're about to drop some like hot takes on like the inherent differences between men and women or something. Oh no! no. no it we just say bad words. We say yeah, bad word. Derek just lets me say whatever I fucking want. Yeah. That's that's what that means. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, uh, Clara, you have been like a a quiet uh secret member of this show for a very long time like many of our guests like most of our guests let's yeah. be real um it's very much like uh the mcu or at least the very early in the mcu where like someone would float in the background for a really long time and then they get to come forward um because you're in a lot of our stories um mm -hmm. you know so it's really good to have you here uh, thank you i listened to the leah episode so it was like i was telling it's like it was a phone conversation with my three friends that I just happened to not be able to weigh in on. I was like imagining what I would be adding. Because it's like, Ooh, I'm, be I'm being name dropped right now. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's that's uh, entirely accurate. Entirely accurate. There's um, definitely been episodes where we've been like, oh, we should we should talk to Clara about this. Oh, we should have Clara on to talk about this. <laughs> oh, why isn't Clara here? Like we've definitely said that at the ends of some episodes. So if you're wondering. Mm -hmm who clara is this is that clara um, so what do you do tell tell people a, a lot of the people are gonna know um and we know but pretend we didn't pretend we didn't know how we knew you for the last uh fuck um 10 years 12 years 12 years yeah, at least yeah um all right well for the audience for the mcu fans <laughs> I am an artist. I'm working right now at Cartoon Network on a show called We Baby Bears. I'm a color stylist. Yeah. What is okay? What is a color stylist? Oh yeah, that's a good. That's so, I always kind of struggle with how to explain color styling to a layman, but it's um, on a 2D animated show like I work on. Um, Everything that moves, so like a character or a prop that needs to have color chosen for it. Um, so I'll receive the finished backgrounds for the show, and then I'll receive the black and white lines. And I make sure that the colors of a character match up with the lighting of the background. So let's say our main characters have to be in sunset, I will adjust their colors so they don't pop out. Or let's say we have a new prop, I get to decide what colors those are going to be. 
So you're the person who makes like the old Hanna-Barbera. You can pull out exactly what object is about to be interacted with. Exactly. You you make sure that doesn't happen anymore, basically. <laughs> well, yeah, we can try to make that not happen. But depending on the style of the show, sometimes even like today, it can be so obvious what things are going to be interacted with. I find it mm-hmm. really charming <laughs> when that's the case. When like something totally stands out and you're like, I wonder if a character is going to interact with that. <laughs> oh, I didn't even know. I, now that you mentioned that, I wouldn't have even guessed that there are certain items mm-hmm. that are color coded to be interacted with. That's wild. Yeah. Usually, like, if this style does not quite match up, usually if something is flat and doesn't have any, like, gradient or shading, that's because it needs to be animated. So it's a lot harder to animate something with a lot of detail uh, on a 2D animated show, because those things get made really fast. Um, some of the ones that have very high budget, um, you can see like really detailed shading on the animated things. But typically, you'll just have a flat color or a flat couple of colors, um, as opposed to backgrounds, which can be uh, more detailed or more rendered, because they're not moving. Uh... So yeah, I hope that makes sense. Totally. I'm not, sh- not sure if that reads at all. Yeah, I, I think it does. Yeah, I choose colors. That's yeah. the <laughs> explanation of it. You go, you go to the to the animations version of Home Depot and pick out color chips for every scene. Yeah, oh. nice. Honestly, that is the best part about going to a Home Depot. Is I know. collecting all the color cards. It's like, it's like a free version of Pokemon. I know. Ah. And I just like, that makes me think, I always thought that like universally uh, the like color process was everyone's favorite part of like working in animation, like going to school. I was like, yeah, color is the best part. And then like other things are hard, but color is super easy for everyone. Right. No, that is not the case. So it's like, oh, oh my God, I do have a niche. <laughs> we're nice. jumping right into the artist stuff. We were planning on mm-hmm. having like artistic journey being like part two of the saga. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's, yeah. Derek and I can't escape this. Yeah. Like that's like sixty percent of what we talk about. Yeah. yeah. It's like it's like sixty percent art art and artistic process, mm-hmm. like thirty percent Dungeons and Dragons, ten yeah. percent Dragon Age two specifically, and yes. then maybe we do other things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe there's like zero point one percent something else. Uh-huh. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean like I guess like the three of us here are we were part of the Biff crew, along mm-hmm. with Will Bangs, mm-hmm. um, which we've we've talked about on the show. Um, but we did a lot of film stuff in high school, which is where we all met. Yes. Yep. Um, Monarch High School. Let's mm. go Yotes. Oh, <laughs> God. Let's go Yotes. We did not even really say while we were there. Okay. That was something that got adopted in, like, 2015. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. No. Okay. Gotta say, I, I interact with Monarch High way too much these oh, yeah. days. Like really? way too. Oh, it's because my sister's gone. Yeah, you still have oh, an attachment. Oh, yeah, yeah. God. Ugh, I, I hate it more. I thought oh. I fucking hated it. I hate it so that much is now. Like I. Oh my god! I, I do you not. You hated it and didn't I, acknowledge you did hate it. It's gotten worse. Is the thing. <laughs> like that's the thing. Is like I. Clara, and I'm sure you can you can you can relate to this. Louisville and Superior have somehow somehow gotten wider and richer, like, <laughs> and so Monarch, like my sister tells me she's like I don't even know what to do. There are like Teslas in the J lot, and I'm like there are. Yeah, and I'm like 
Okay, I can't. Right. Yeah, J Lot is also now paved, so. So it's not a rite of passage anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, they act like it still is. I don't know. Like, I just I can't. And and maybe I'm just old. Maybe I'm just old. Uh, law school is making me feel older than I expected, actually. Uh-huh. Um, for the same reason. So yeah, no, I thought I hated Monarch. Um, I hate it more now. Um, yeah, but we also met in jazz band. Though yes. you guys knew each other bef- in middle school, maybe? No. 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 I went to Monarch K-8, and Derek went to Eldorado? Yep, Eldorado. Right. You went to Louisville Middle. LMS. Louisville Middle, yep. Um, mm-hmm. LMS, MK-8, and EK-8. <laughs> Mm. Yeah. Whatever our acronyms were. So was jazz band first year? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been okay. freshman, yeah. Um, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dane and I were saxophonists, and um, you were on piano. Yes. Oh, that was fun. Yeah. I always felt a teeny bit out of my depth in jazz band. I felt like mm-hmm. I was just getting by with the level of piano skills that I had. I feel like I'm probably not alone in. Uh, feeling that way but I had really high standards for myself and I was like I need to be like improvising on like a uh, jazz classics level I need to like <laughs> my solos need to be the best no I just yeah, I always found yeah. ways to stress myself out artistically <laughs> no, I didn't I didn't feel competent in jazz band until junior year so I'm mm. I, yeah yeah I I never <laughs> I it was one of those things where I loved being in jazz band. I had a lot of fun. Oh yeah, it was so fun. But though. like I knew when I didn't make jazz three junior year, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. I'm not there yet. Um, I'm I'm not there yet. And yeah, I do remember <clears throat> the test for jazz three because I didn't end up going into jazz three, uh, but I did the test and I like. I did not really know how to read guitar tabs. I didn't know how to read jazz chords. I was just like the the absolute basics of uh, sheet music reading. But the test involved reading those chords, and I think I remember even being like, "Miss Church, I don't I don't really know how to read these, should I?" And she's like, uh, "Why don't you just try?" So I did try. Apparently, I did a good job because apparently I would have gotten into jazz three, uh, but I ended up having a schedule conflict because that was the first mm. year of. Uh, Arabic being on. Oh, right, yeah. right, right, like, right. I have to take that. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, yeah. I remember. I, okay, yeah. Here, okay, upside for you, though, is that uh, when I got to college for music, mind, um, I realized I didn't know how to read rhythm um, or most music, really, um, and that I had been playing mostly like 60 to 70% by ear. Um, oh, most yeah. of my music career, <laughs> so you were doing way better than me in that <laughs> in that regard. Um, yeah. A thing I learned later is that other people did not go home and practice um, by finding the music and listening to it and and matching the notes until I could just play it. Oh yeah, I still did <laughs> so, a lot of that too. Yeah. Because I feel like it like if you have any sort of innate sense of music, which like us three do. Um, like listening goes a lot farther than reading it off a piece of paper. Maybe I should speak for myself. Yeah. But I feel like uh, imitating uh, was just 
easier, less technical, mm -hmm. more mm -hmm. innate. It gets you a really, it gets you a really long way. Um, and then I had a really difficult first year and a half of college. Um, uh, I didn't know. I thought you were just always good at sight reading. Oh. No, <laughs> no. Actually, funnily enough, sight reading is the thing I was worst at because I hadn't gotten a chance to hear it yet. Mm -hmm. Oh, um, so, so, yeah. so what would happen is I would be really bad the very first day um, I got music and then I would spend like one, like I would spend hours catching up and then I would do much better. Um, and oh. that was, that was something that, and I didn't even figure out that I was really like behind even in my senior year of high school, because I knew Miss Church well enough that I could just go to her and be like, hey, what are we playing next? Um, and she would give me the list and I would go listen beforehand. Um, oh man, I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought you were really good at sight reading. No. Like, that's like the one thing I, 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 I've never been able to do is, is, is like sight read. Mm -hmm. um, like... If I can hear it, like just what the two of you are saying, if I can hear it, I can probably keep up. Mm -hmm. um, especially when it comes to like, if I can hear the chord changes, I can roughly figure out like what notes are not going to sound out of key. Right. But I only know one scale, the money scale. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Mr. Lewis. Uh, <laughs> Everyone loves the money scale. <laughs> but like, yeah, I, oh man, dang, that must have been rough. Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like because I feel like that's like what so many musicians have to do is sight read. Yeah. And so that's the thing that happened in in undergrad was I got hit real hard because I couldn't do. I couldn't do I couldn't do the, the sight reading. I couldn't read. And so like like the funny thing is I could end up like putting together like theoretical notes really, really well in like a theory class because that's what that's like half of jazz is understanding what's in a chord and that's most of theory mm -hmm. um but like if i was handed a piece of music by my professor i, I couldn't play it mm -hmm. like i just couldn't get through a measure in by myself in a in a studio with just me and my professor and so it was a year and a half of me learning how to properly read music um and i don't think i was able to properly sight read until the end of sophomore year um, afterwards, uh, I was much, much better. So that's, yeah. So you can get you a long way. And like in some genres, if you just stay in it, like if I just kept doing like combo jazz or something, I'm sure I never would have really figured that out. Um, huh. was that but... learning process like fun or did it feel productive or did it just, cause it sounds kind of miserable. It was panic inducing, mm -hmm. um, because I was, I was expected to still play. And so I still needed to do my thing that I'd been doing to learn how to play music before. And I had to spend all this time, like I was using like, um, like rhythm apps obsessively. Um, every class was like a nightmare um, because I would get um, to bring a law school term into a music setting. I would get cold called and like uh... made to play in front of people. And uh, to, to add it onto it, I had like, 
an abusive professor who was telling me like I was a bad person because I couldn't get it and like would be berating me and like the full whiplash yeah like I like I would get like music stands thrown at me I would literally play and practice until like my lips were like bleeding out from the inside oh Oh, sorry yeah I would not survive yeah dang I would be crying I had no idea like no wonder you don't play saxophone Mm -mm. anymore no no (laughs) I only play the piano and sing now that is I do not I I can see the saxophone in a corner in a closet and no oh man Mm. yeah but anyways you're out of that (laughs) oh yeah yeah me too too. dang do you still play piano Clara I do, yeah. That, um, I've sort of played it on and off as, uh, just like a hobby if I have free time. Um, that was something that, uh, for the past two years, um, I've been, like, injured on and off. Like, I've had a repetitive stress injury in one or both of my wrists. Um, so that, uh... Well, first off, it made it hard to draw and made it hard to do my job. That was especially not fun. But it also, like, a lot of my hobbies that involved any sort of, like, dexterity or manual skill, unfortunately, went by the wayside. Mm-hmm. Um, but just, like, in fact, a couple months ago is when I started trying again. Like, just testing the waters to see if a couple minutes at the piano would hurt me or not. And it, like... I'm finally back in it. Like I, there was this like little session that I tried. It was like after 20 minutes or so, I like wasn't feeling the pain. It was like, Oh my God, I'm back. So that was especially nice. I like, and I don't really, I don't play it with any sort of seriousness. Like I totally just noodle around. Like my favorite thing to do is, um, just like, look at all of the songs that I've been listening to lately, like movie soundtracks or just pop songs and like put them on in my headphones and try to play along with them. Like that is super fun for me. Just like trying Mm -hmm. to kind of figure out the song and like, uh, understand it a little better. Sometimes I like, I'll try to, uh, play a song and I'll realize like, oh, this is, this is way out of my, like, skill level. This is a complex song. But then sometimes I'll be like, oh, these are just some cute four chords. Like, I understand what's going on. So that's very fun. And I also, I love just uh, whatever video game I'm playing, if I can, like, find some sheet music for that. That's what I've always done. Like, that has always mm-hmm. been my sort of, like, uh, indulgent piano passion is just uh, finding sheet music for a soundtrack, especially a video game soundtrack, and learning to play it. My parents have even like become uh, attuned to like, okay, Zelda songs and How to Train Your Dragon songs, uh, Ooh, or mm. Studio Ghibli. Those are kind of oh, that's like yeah. um, mm-hmm. those are the main three of like the nerdy songs that. <laughs> I like to play. Yeah. I have I have a story that relates to this. So I'm kind of doing, I kind of moving it. Like I play some more video game soundtrack stuff than I, than I used to. Um, because obviously uh, that's not super respectable in music school because <laughs> art school is weird. Um, anyways. Uh, so I do more now, but that stuff is 
gorgeous, right? Like oh. so much of that music is just really, really good. Do either of you know Hyperlight Drifter, the game? Yeah. I, Derek, yeah, Derek does. Yeah, I haven't played it, but yeah. I know it. I've not played it, but I, I have it downloaded on both my Switch and my Steam Deck. It's super good. It yet. <laughs> it's super good. Worth your time. It's it's very classic Legend of Zelda, but uh, but definitely uh, they have played Dark Souls. If that makes any sense. Um, <laughs> oh boy. Uh, but but anyways, that aside, the the main piece written for it is this like gorgeous six and a half to seven minute long. Um, piano piece usually done with some synths uh but it's also written in free time which is like a really high-end um uh neoclassical high art music thing like but it's Roboto? No, uh, beyond that beyond that free time is there are no bars there's no measures there's no time signature at all um uh. <laughs> and so it, the idea is to just play you just play it like that's the idea and and it i think it's a really gorgeous way it's also to me very silly because it's like circling back around to like oh yeah three people with a guitar are gonna count off and then they just sort of stay together and it's fine you know it's it's high art circling back around to low art thinking it's discovered something um anyways i'm gonna put my i'll take it off my soapbox to tell my story um who did the music for that uh, a guy called Disaster Piece. He kind of hides behind. Yeah. Um, yeah, super good. He but did the music for it follows. He did. He did. Super cool. That one's also. That one's more unsettling. This is less unsettling. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but anyways, I, I learned the the piece um, on piano, and I, I would say it's the most technically impressive piece of music I know, and the piece of music on the piano that I know best by heart Mm -hmm. um so this was a couple christmases ago we go we were gracie and i go home uh well home not home uh her home in la we go to la Mm -hmm. to to her family's for christmas um uh, some of her family is is quite well off um like own a, a steinway piano for the fun of it um even though nobody really plays in the family um it's like our girls were taking piano lessons, so we got them the best. Of course we did. Um, I, yeah, I know. It's really it's really hard. Um, but her grandfather at the time would play, and anyone else who felt like playing was voluntold to play. So Gracie told me as we were like leaving, she's like, you should bring some sheet music. You were going to be plopped up on the piano um and expected to play Getting like secondhand anxiety just thinking about that yeah yeah and like part of it has to do and she told me that like part of it was gonna it was gonna be a little bit about the fact that like they really like having like perfect christmas card sort of moments like hallmark moments and a hallmark moment would be to have a little family concert by someone who's very good by their standards because the equivalent of being very good is not actually being good at the piano it's being recognized as being good by an institution right yeah so um i get up there and i'm like what am i gonna play i've brought all my sheet music and i look through like i've got like i've literally got you know um like impressionist stuff and i and i'm like you know what i'm stressed this piece is six minutes long and you know what it's 
high arty enough that they are not going to know that they're going to be listening to a video game soundtrack for the next, I can stretch this to eight minutes. Like, <laughs> and so I play and, and I get off there and they're like, oh, what's this, um, what's this piece? And I go on about the, 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 um, free time so that they can feel smart. And they're like, who's it by? And I'm like, oh, uh, he goes by a pseudonym um disaster piece because he likes to stay away from the public eye and I'm like oh wow wow that's wild you were selling it yeah i was selling it hard and i oh. and i just i felt good on the inside i was like i was like yeah and you know what video games are good and soundtracks are good and you guys can enjoy them and i'm gonna sneak it in there um and just like uh, one of these people, uh, the, one of their eldest daughters sneaks in books by like Hillary Clinton and like Obama and stuff to their reading. Um, just very with by like taking like the dust jackets off and whatnot. It's very funny. Um, <laughs> A Looney Tunes solution. Yeah, it's all it's all Looney Tunes yeah. solutions. It's 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 um, I just I I just really relate. And you, Claire, you called it like a like an indulgence. Mm-hmm. Um, and I. I'm at the point, I don't know if you are, but where I'm just like, I'm really tired of having to defend things that just make me happy and art that's just, it's good on its own merits and like, it just doesn't need to be, I don't think it needs to be defended, you know, because there are just people who just aren't going to get it or are going to write it off for not being recognized in a particular way or by the right people and i just think those people are missing out and i don't know and i think especially since you know being in music academia like you were you are so used to the institution like the um very what is considered acceptable what is Mm -hmm. considered high art which like uh, sounds terrible <laughs> I, yeah i would buckle under that pressure because i also yeah i also have like the passion for video game soundtracks which are totally looked down upon but well maybe not looked down upon aren't institutionalized um but there is just such a broad spectrum of like gorgeous experimental music that like mm-hmm. i mean you're missing out if you're not um in tune to that yeah i got into an argument with a professor once in undergrad um because i was she was doing like a musicology class and i wanted to write a paper on um the banner saga um oh that's austin wintory right yeah austin wintory's we we could talk for a whole episode about austin wintory oh yeah we totally can (laughs) um so i'm gonna try and steer that away before because i have a whole 25 page paper because i ended up winning this argument um wow uh and spoke in front of the college on this, but I got into an argument with my professor about this because she was like, this is not acceptable. There, you, If you want to analyze music in this way, there are operas, there are state, like if you want to do the whole like talk about leitmotif, like you could go other places. And I told her, I was like, listen, on average, how many people do you think actually go to the symphony every year or to see a stage performance of something? The number is astronomically low, but if you actually think about the pe- number of people who play a video game in a year, that same number of people has listened to an entire symphony. Like I, I ended up arguing more on Skyrim because she knew it already hmm. or knew of it. Like the name was enough. And I was like, listen, the number of people who have played Skyrim and can hear the motifs in that soundtrack is so much higher than 
anything being modernly written if you want to know where like people are actually listening to what you would call like lower case c classical music it's in video game soundtracks more than anywhere else Absolutely. because you'll sit there like how many people like so many people like between the three of us at derek how much have you played skyrim like 20 hours in seven or eight different attempts like 80 hours actually oh 80 hours all right i was like between at least between yeah and clarity have you played skyrim no i thought it was ugly fair enough um <laughs> visu visually it is pretty it is it's not a good it's not sorry wow soundtrack soundtrack though yeah. uh, worth it soundtrack is gorgeous soundtrack but is, yeah jeremy soul right? yeah skyrim did come out in that weird period of video games where everything is brown and gray but um i'm sure i was missing out yeah but the, between derek and i we have like i think 180 hours of listening to that fucking soundtrack mm -hmm. barring not even taking out the the fact that like i've listened to it separately i think it's kind of ridiculous like to, to yeah. think that like this isn't a place to really put some focus and energy you know but i don't like i what i'm saying is art school sometimes really sucks um <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i don't know if all three of us in a room have talked about art school because all three of us went to art school mm -hmm. we are all artists yeah we are each a different breed of artist. Yeah. Oh, I hate that type of artist. <laughs> different cut of artist. Different slice, different... Anyway. Uh, I, I don't know. Hunter. We're all different hunters. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Yeah, we are. And each of us has a different experience with art school and having Correct. to face like an academic version of what started off as a hobby for us yes mm -hmm. which to that where do we even start with that yeah well okay let's uh, back to the beginning derek and i derek and i finished clara you did not but Only by you a semester but yeah i was out of there but you work most directly in your own field um like the most directly mm -hmm. i guess that is true yes. um derek works directly in his um, I'm like laterally, yeah. Yeah, um, I finished. I play music only for my own funsies anymore, mm -hmm. and I'm in law school. So that is a really good point. Though. We are sort of an, also a spectrum of post art school, mm -hmm. what you do. Mm -hmm. But I remember Clara, you were telling me that Cal Arts has one of the worst graduation rates in the country because everyone gets onto a show usually their senior year, and. I remember you were telling me this like before we went off to college and then mm -hmm. it happened for you in yep. a way. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I don't even know, like uh, that school didn't even like, uh, quantify graduation rates like as a, uh, merit or anything because it was almost expected that a huge chunk of students would not finish out the degree, um, because they would just, um, like accumulate the skills and accumulate the portfolio and just like jump onto a show, jump onto a project, you know, like save the money, save the strife. Um, mm -hmm. and, like, everyone has their own uh, reasons for doing that. If that is the case, some people like need to finish the degree, etc. cetera. Um, for me in particular, um, it's, uh, it started off not complicated and then got so complicated. My first two years of school um, were like, really difficult like they really put you through 
animation boot camp because there's like mm-hmm. there are so many subsets of animation they and they throw everything at you uh, i went to cal arts for people that don't know in the character animation program and um you learn 2d animation you learn cg animation you learn cg rigging modeling you learn uh visual development uh design like all sorts of stuff and like it's uh it was grueling because it was just the sheer amount of hours and the sheer amount of homework that we had was extremely difficult um Mm -hmm. and like it is you know that absolutely forced us to um find out what we were good and bad at the very hands-on way the very concrete way um and also having to do our student films uh every year uh we create a final project a final film uh so it's in a way we have a final thesis every year as opposed Mm -hmm. to at the end of four years so um it was incredibly challenging um partway into my third year i had like a um a hurricane of different problems that uh, culminated in me having to take a leave of absence from school. Um, I came back a semester later, but I was offset one semester because I had to leave in the middle of the semester. And um, after returning to school for one more year, uh, one semester away from graduating, I was like, I'm done. I gotta be done. I, I was confident enough in my ability to uh, have my portfolio be my, uh, like, effectively my degree. The Really, your portfolio is um, what you need to have built up uh, in order to apply for jobs. Um, so I, I feel very lucky that um, the degree does not matter as much um, in this mm-hmm. particular field. Yeah. Um, so that is what ended up happening. I finished school, um, left, finished, whatever you want to call it, in spring of 2018. And then fall of 2018, I started on the show High Guardian Spice, which um, was a, a whole situation of a show also that that we could take a whole sidebar to talk about but i think uh why did i go through this whole anecdote just now i I just like uh, being faced with art school being faced with the challenge oh and not not graduate that was the that was the yeah because we're kind of three different phases of of art school and post-grad yeah so positive or negative on art school as a whole then oh god i think um Honestly, it almost feels like a net neutral for me because mm. I mm. like uh, I had some of the worst times of my life, for sure, both personally and academically. But um, like the skills that I were able to build up are undeniable. Like the, it has a really rigorous program, and the amount of like really usable and beneficial skills they give you, like. There really is a lot. Like, I, I definitely got, like, a high-tier education, I guess you could say, um, just at, at kind of, like, a high personal cost. So it's difficult to quantify. And I also definitely, like, I don't feel like I could speak for any other person. Like, I don't 
I don't rightly know if I could recommend art school or CalArts to anyone else because it's it becomes such a personal thing. Mm-hmm. But for yeah. me, like net neutral is the <laughs> best way I can describe it. That's that's good. I think it could be worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It could be a lot worse. Um, and so I'm glad it's not. I'm glad you survived art school. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, by the skin of my teeth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I feel like, yeah, because it's just like art in context of academia and art in context of the industry are two very different things I feel especially that you and I deal with Clara Mm -hmm. Um, because in the industry yeah the degree doesn't matter so much it's more those hard technical skills and and the portfolio that matters and those were like the things that I did not walk away from with art school Mm. I did not walk away with a portfolio I did not walk away with any specific skills which made finding work not necessarily even more difficult but it locked me out of some doors that are now just reopening because mm-hmm. it took time to rebuild some of those skills. But yeah, art school's weird. Do you feel like mm-hmm. your education was more on like the theory side then versus no. the concrete? My school was a technical school oh, okay. as well, but I also had some of the worst and best times of my life in art school. Yeah, And um, I think because of my program, there were certain financial barriers that prevented me from pursuing more technical uh, skill training Absolutely. at school. And I think that that was interesting to kind of notice and see. In addition to, um, I think like like every artist, I feel like you go through like a crisis of faith at some point mm-hmm. and like try and like rebuild what you are as an artist. And I had one of those sophomore through senior year. It wasn't until like two weeks before graduation that I was like, yeah, I've I've done everything else. And the only thing that I seem to be positively okay at is directing. And I still really want to do that. Um, but up until like two weeks before graduation, I was like, maybe I should quit film altogether. Mm. Um, so art school's weird. Um, and like, I took one course of animation and I can't imagine, uh, <laughs> doing like three plus years of that. Um, Cause that one semester kicked my ass. Yeah. Uh, it was like, I remember staying up so late, like hand animating, like trying to finish storyboards for a project and then submitting it and watching it in a classroom full of people and just being like, absolutely like, Oh my God, (laughs) (laughs) what have I done? Um, but I don't know. I feel like the, the the best and equally worst part about art school is that all the things that like you fell in love with about art in like high school and like middle school all those things get broken down and rearranged and then you really figure out what you really like about it like in a way it kind of returns you to when you first discovered art which i didn't realize until like recently yeah i would agree yeah i think that was also my experience that it was like um, everything I knew or I thought I knew sort of got like blown apart and deconstructed um, and it was up to me to kind of put it back together and understand what it did mean for me like you're talking about like a, an animation class with boarding like for me the actual like animation itself in terms of like making things move I was not good at that um, 
boarding and story, I was also not great at that. Like, it, I can do it, but I'm very slow at it, so it means that it, like, I did not consider it a feasible job. Um, the, like, visual development and concept art and design, uh, that was that was kind of always my jam. Uh, and it was a matter of discerning um, what jobs uh, actually suit that skill set, yeah. as opposed to, like, you know, what I loved to do in high school was just, like, essentially more, like illustration honestly yeah so i had hmm. to um kind of rearrange my skills re re-emphasize my skills um to orient them to being relevant to a job uh yeah. and i do feel like like i did it like um i feel really lucky although it's also it's not luck like i had to work really hard for it but like um the core of like what I love to do, like um, a core aspect of that is in my job. Like I always loved colors and now, now I'm doing colors for a job. Um, so that is great. But like, but just again, the, like the extreme personal cost and just financially the yeah. literal cost. I am thousands of dollars in debt. You guys, <laughs> that's the cost. <sighs> yeah. That, that's the difficult part about art school. I have a, my boss also went to CalArts oh. for the graduate program in like visual design. He was like, a, he did like sculpting and film oh. art and video art. It was like, it was interesting. But he was talking about like, like the idea of a teacher recommending you go to art school as being reckless. Um, mm. Because like in high school, like, I don't know if you had any like mentors in high school that recommended art school but um sort of i think uh it was pretty clear that that was um one of my main options uh the entire time cuz i obviously like art was my thing i always i always loved doing art and it was hard for me to picture um any other job like i considered linguistics as well cuz that was like another one of my passions um but that just in terms of like actual jobs, like lucrative professions, like uh, frankly, there is there are not as many in linguistics. So I guess I still did have that pragmatic piece in mind. So I think like um, Mrs. Overton, uh, or she goes by Claudia Listella now. Um, she was my art teacher a handful of times she sort of acted as a mentor for me so um i don't even know that it was like she recommended i think it was like i kind of knew so mm -hmm. she was like let's help you along that path mm -hmm. so um i think like part of part of why it probably didn't seem reckless is because animation is an industry like there are industry yeah. jobs it's um not as precarious as other art jobs although it is precarious yeah. as we've seen for the past couple months netflix mm. earlier in the year uh cartoon network and warner media last month that was dicey yeah oh boy yeah it's super interesting you guys have a completely different <clears throat> experience than i do yeah. honestly yeah how about you dang get into it yeah um so for for starters uh I will I will go on the whole whiplash and all positive, um, mm -hmm. believe it or not. Huh. Um, okay. 
I did not, it was not a skills based, like all music school is going to be somewhat skills based because it's performance art. Right. But I, it was definitely a much more academic and like research education based uh, program than like here, we're going to get you out and we're going to get you performing for money um, plan. Um, Okay. But there were just like some amazing things and the whole whiplash thing was pretty cordoned off into the saxophone world and so around junior year i was in more choirs than i was in uh instrumental ensembles and i was taing and doing uh academic research um and singing a bunch doing way more piano and all of all these things um and so that eventually by by the by senior year i was i was in almost as many creative writing classes as I was choir classes and then just a couple of side um, class uh, saxophone stuff that I needed for my degree. Um, So it was a very sideways about it. And I will also say, unlike you guys, where you guys felt like you got it like um, uh, dissected, pulled apart and like you reforged it. Um, I will say, despite my still enjoyment of playing the piano, it did end up getting destroyed. Like it was Mm -hmm. gone, like gone, gone. Um, and, and like, you know, like it's been like four years out and for four years I've like low key thought about joining some choirs in the area or maybe even a jazz band and it's never materialized. I can never generate the energy for it. Um, But what I did come out with is a realization of, like, it doesn't matter for me at the end of the day. It doesn't, it didn't have to be music. Um, I can still be creative um, in my own way outside of, outside of music. And so I, I write now, like, I define myself more. I think of myself more as a person who writes and less, almost not at all, as a person who plays music anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing I learned is that I thrive in certain, in academic and by a greater extension, intellectual challenge. Um, and so basically I came through that after cancer, after frustration in high school um feeling less like it it, maybe it destroyed my love of music but it definitely didn't it left me with uh, more options in terms of feeling like okay i am not just some like ball of fire that just is going to burn out somewhere like i can do things and that's good and so that's why it's a net positive i would not necessarily really recommend anybody go to music school if all you want to do is like if what you love about music is you like writing songs on the guitar and performing do not go to music school Mm -hmm. like that's not that's not going to help you out my friend like there are a couple of music schools that might help you there but not enough i would say if you want to go to college go to college but go perform just like go play go write your songs find some people to do it with if you want to do that if not also great like just do it like that's a much better place because academia is not the place to 
Okay, no, one, one exception. If you really like experimental composed music, yeah, go to Academia. But, like, oh. um, that's not what it is. That's not, it's not a skills space. It's, it's a studying space. Um, and it's a place where music teachers can be crafted. Um, and that's all very well and good. Um, so, yeah, it's a very, it was a very weird experience. Um, and I will say, even though I look back on it with like positive, um, like positive, like a positive lens, I'm more grateful for the creative writing stuff I got. Cause I had an amazing, like an amazing professor and that amazing professor taught me more practical writing stuff in a year than the four years of music combined. Um, mm. And so, like, I'm really grateful for that. I'm really grateful for all the academic research and teaching opportunities I got. But it's not, it's really weird because I'm not doing, professionally, I'm not doing, I'm not even laterally involved anymore. Um, And I'm quite happy. Even as tired as I am in law school, I am very much in the right place. but I wouldn't have known if I hadn't gone to music school that I would have been happy there because what I learned was like, I love being fucking challenged intellectually every day. Um, mm. And I, I, I have other feelings about law school, about like uh, complication, complicated feelings about like the system of law and this whole thing. Like law school's wild, you guys. Like I, 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 Clara, you went to Cal Arts, which is all an art. It's a whole art school, so like the money isn't quite the same. But like Derek, I'm sure you know this. But like most art programs in any school you ever go to are always underfunded. Um, mm-hmm. I have never been in a well-funded academic situation. Um, like here's the thing. Like I went touring in Europe for to sing. Um, with the choirs and like we had to pay our way to get there like we had to pay our own plane tickets um it's not that the school did nothing but we did have to pay our own plane tickets um but uh if i if i do like the international uh like law program uh and i'm on the team they'll just ship us there they'll just like all right we're shipping you to vienna like there's just money floating around it's terrifying. Yeah. Um, anyways, that's that's that that's a side point. Yeah. It's very yeah. strange. Um, uh, yeah, like uh, you could, like every club, like student organization, um, most of them actually are for credit, like class credit, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but they just all of them have money um, to like just buy food. Like they don't even think about it. If there's a meeting of, there's going to be food there that they just paid for. Um, it's, yeah, it's wild. And anyways, um, so yeah, it's a very, it's very odd to have gone to art school to not really recommend people go to art school, think that art school kind of is bad for, uh, the art form because it's stifling and elitist. Um, but also be like, I had, a, I, I, it was good and it was good for me and I'm here. Like, yeah. you know, um, and, and so like to hear you guys talk about like the practical skills and 
Clara, I think like finished is a great word. Mm-hmm. I kind of had this image in my head for a second there of like, what if CalArts wasn't like on a weird four year time, time frame? Like what if the goal wasn't to graduate anybody? That the goal is like you show up here and we're going to teach you skills until you get your job. Mm-hmm. That's what you're going to do. There's no graduation point. Work. It's wild. I know. It's kind of like a weird idea in my head, but like. That sounds like, like a great art school. <laughs> yeah. Like I was like. Stay until you're done. <laughs> stay until you're done. Yeah. yeah. Stay until you get your first industry job. Yeah. So stay until. Yeah. yeah. Stay until wow. you have a thing in under your belt that your grades are, that are is way better on a resume than your grades, you know, Mm -hmm. like for the first time in my life, I'm actually getting a a degree where I'm like, if I didn't have degree X, they would not let me do this. Right. Um, yeah. Like you, you need that piece of paper. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like up until now, my piece of paper was just like, this qualifies me for this job. And I have to prove I actually have experience to do this job on the side. (laughs) You know, it's not about the piece of paper. Whereas with this, I'm like, okay, I have my piece of paper. I still need job experience, but this qualifies me to do this job at all. And if you don't have this piece of paper and have passed this test, um, no one's ever going to hire you in the same way that no medical degree you are not performing surgery on me, <laughs> my friend. Like, it's it's a similar thing, and it's very, very odd. Um, yeah, yeah, it's just, it's very different. Um, but I don't, I don't feel less of an artist, you know? Like, I write novels now, and I'd love to work on getting them published and stuff. But, yeah. like, it's, it's just very different. Well, yeah, I think there's something to be said about doing the art, Mm-hmm. I think that's always been the hardest part about being an artist is creating things that you are enjoying, you know, uh, and creating things that are for yourself or like are just like, I don't know, like complete ish. I say ish because nothing's ever complete, but like <laughs> Clara, like mm-hmm. your Twitter feed of art is like, <laughs> I mean, I would say like, like you're probably the most popular guest we've had. Um, popular oh my God. yeah the most famous person we've had on the show because you have like what like three thousand four thousand five thousand twitter followers oh don't tell me <laughs> i i deliberately don't look at my oh, followers because okay. then mm. like up until like last year that is something that i got like uh, obsessive over and that's something mm. that i would like use to beat myself up like if i thought the number was going down i would like interpret that as a personal failing that was like is um very complicated because like tr- twitter and also, like, Tumblr. The, well, it's a whole journey. Um, like, posting my art online, I started doing that very, very young. Like, um, pretty much as soon as I was using the internet. So that immediately, like, the response of people, my peers online towards my art, um, that uh, pretty much from jump was tied into my sense of self-worth. And... Uh, you know, start, uh, starting on Okaki boards and then on to DeviantArt when I was in middle school, Tumblr when I was in high school, Twitter when I was in college. High school especially, like, I was so deeply insecure about my art because it was just, like, intrinsically locked with um, the response or lack thereof that I would get on Tumblr. Uh, like, you know, just number go up i was so obsessed with number go up and then uh getting into college um and especially at the end of college and finishing college um your online presence uh 
suddenly is not personal anymore. It also has to be um, your professional presence. Yeah. And mm -hmm. that, like, just totally did my head in because, like, on a sort of personal art level, I feel like it would have been really gratifying for me to, like, kind of be able to step back and reassess how I... Um, like find pride in my art or like try to detach the numbers kind of approval. But like at a certain point, um, I have to keep up that presence or I, I had to, um, because like, I know for a fact, recruiters look on Twitter, recruiters look yeah. at your online presence. Like, you know, it's supposed to be that our portfolio website, like, Ooh, clarahorse.com. Go look at it. It's great. Uh, that is like my professional presentation of myself, but um, even your casual presentation of yourself uh, gets looked at by recruiters. So it became this really bizarre balance of uh, like, I have to be online. I have to um, just be either be swallowed up by the numbers or detach myself from the numbers and um this this you know like decade-long issue of mine has finally gone away now that i am uh solidly employed yay <laughs> no which like is almost kind of like i don't know if that's quite sad to say it's sad only in the sense that like if someone else was having the same problem as me i wouldn't be able to like give them full advice because i can't just say well get a job yeah no, yeah. <laughs> get yeah. A job and you'll feel so great about yourself no, but yeah. i mean in terms of like uh, online following i yeah i've like gained a uh following primarily because i post fan art i love doing fan art um so that that is what a lot of people follow me for i think like probably 10 percent of my following is my peers um and th the rest is people that like my zelda drawings thanks guys <laughs> but I, I still do i sort of value that 10 percent a little bit more because those are um like i said they're my peers yeah so it's a little mm -hmm. bit complicated but that um the reason we got on that topic was uh personal art finding time for personal art that has mm -hmm. definitely been a journey for me i had a such a huge output of personal art um all throughout school uh middle school high school college uh college especially because i was just like i was drawing all the time mm -hmm. for classes so i was also drawing all the time uh for myself and uh my output output continued to be pretty high um once school was finished um because i had the stamina for it but then um the aforementioned uh injuries that i had uh starting in summer of 2020 and then continued on and off until 2021 um that had a significant effect on my uh hobby drawing um and like my current job, I started on it in November of 2020. Um, and my injury, like I was able to manage it in order to do my job. It definitely had an effect, um, but I was able to do it. But what that meant is that um, pretty much like 95% of my stamina physically would be used up 
by my job and then the rest had to go to like cooking and folding laundry you know yeah. if mm-hmm. that so like and you know even even without any sort of in- injury plenty of people have uh trouble balancing um a professional art job or any professional full-time job with having enough energy for uh doing your personal work so that that is like something that i have uh been negotiating and renegotiating um throughout all of my uh past two years i do feel like i'm in a pretty healthy place with it um yeah i know because i love to hear that uh, i'm feeling physically better physically more healthy uh the pain is under control uh and also i've just done a lot of like uh uh, kind of just amounts to being patient with myself, being understanding with what my current capabilities are for personal art, personal creation. Um, it's so easy to like look back on uh, even like 2018, 2019, all of the art I was doing, like, oh, so fun. Like, it feels so productive. And it's like, uh, especially fan art, like, that is sort of how I. Um, it's my special way of interacting with things that I really like. Like it sort of helps me codify my interest in something like, you know, drawing something kind of like figuring out the designs for it, like, uh, putting it into my own art sensibilities. Like that is, that was sort of this like extra level of, um, ways of engaging in media for me. And it like uh, really did my head in to lose that made me feel like I like wasn't consuming media properly which is like very bizarre because it's only by my own standards but um that is also something that I like I kind of just had to get out of my head because you know my capabilities are different they're always changing so right now where I'm at with personal art like if I happen to draw something once every six weeks every two months that's plenty that rules yeah (laughs) i think that's something that like you and i have talked about a lot is like finding that balance and like finding the difference between like like do i want to draw something quote unquote original or do i want to just keep drawing fan art because i like drawing fan art yeah and like Mm. i've always really admired the fact that like you're able to acknowledge that like yeah i really love drawing fan art Mm -hmm. and i would just want to i just want to keep drawing like all this fan art and i've always like really appreciated that because i don't think that that desire to just draw stuff you like is like like I feel like there's so many people that don't want to acknowledge that mm. because it feels embarrassing or it doesn't feel it doesn't it feels like like it's not going to be like respectable but like it is totally respectable like like I often think about how there's so many like filmmakers in this day and age that are getting hired to do commercials off of like their Star Wars fan films yeah and like it's it's pretty cool stuff and like with the Zelda stuff that you draw which is <laughs> one of my favorite fan art you've done sort of my mainstay yeah yeah you can see like your love of color you know Mm -hmm. in all of them and i and i think that's really cool even like the really simple ones that you've done that are like i feel there was like one you did recently that had like the border around it or Um... maybe it's not recently but it was oh it was like was that zelda (laughs) instagram i don't know i can't look it up crap um (laughs) fair question for anything that i draw i I, you know, this makes me remember a thing. I don't know if someone said this to me or I read it somewhere, but it was like, all fic is fanfic. Yeah, um, completely. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah, 
Yeah. Um, yeah, and like one facet of it is that uh, in the like animation community, like um, fan art has always sort of been a part of it. Like fan art has not been looked down upon uh, the way that it definitely is with other artistic practices. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and I'm not. I don't even know if I can say why that is. I think it's just been like a long-standing tradition. Yeah. I have a guess, actually. Tell me. So animation is a team artistic endeavor right mm-hmm. um and to make it work everybody kind of ends up having to draw everybody else's characters maybe someone it's someone else's design but you have to also do it mm-hmm. so everybody's already used to a one thing not necessarily inherently belonging to one artist right um you're so right I like oh it's the God. same it's yeah. like the same idea around like does anybody own hamlet as a character i don't think so you know it's i think it's similar like so yeah i think yeah that is a totally like accurate read on it i think like yeah it's it's almost like fan art uh by animators it is a reflection of um how you interpret a character, how you incorporate it into your style, because that, like, um, in terms of working on a project, you are having to interpret characters, uh, and it all—it's often like it's a reflection of your um, like draftsmanship, like how mm-hmm. well can you get the anatomy of this character, or like if it's a landscape, like. Uh, how do your landscape abilities uh, apply uh, with like a, a fantasy location or something? Right. That's almost maybe even a cynical way of looking at it. Like how how can your how is your fan art <laughs> a reflection of like your higher ability? But like that I mean like that's really tied up in it. Yeah, and I mean in the same hand, it's also like I also think sometimes like really cool fan art for someone who originally designed the character is fun because it's almost a way of the other artist saying is like look look how far away stylistically i can draw your character but everybody still knows it's your character like you did such a good design job designing this that like you know like think about every way that anybody has ever drawn superman or batman for example right and everybody you can still look and you're like yeah that's that's him you know it's good it's good design right and that is like yeah i'm always i feel like pushing on the outer limits of that like uh, incorporating a character into my own style almost to the point that they are like barely readable as the character mm-hmm. anymore like that that is kind yeah. of fun for me to play with it's how far away how much can i make this not look like link but it's still Literally, link. like it barely reads <laughs> link but like you guys get it i think like that's also kind of the character functioning as intended because he is mm-hmm. meant to be like the player conduit uh, you are meant to uh, have your own understanding of him. So I think, like, on an artistic level, like, having your own way of portraying him uh, says so much about the artist. Yeah, totally. Totally. About, speaking of, like, good fan art, I think a lot about the Chad Chow Superman Batman uh, soft lead comic. That's really great. Mm. And I think about the Kenna Jean Superman boards that are superman lois boards that are really cute and they're like two oh mckenna very... yeah McKenna Her- yeah oh my, wait my classmate my oh friend. my god really yeah holy crap that's oh wild. she rules yeah she um <laughs> she was a story supervisor on luca recently oh. you can totally tell like that that movie is yeah. her baby okay yeah like, it's so cute yeah 
Yeah, she did a really cool Superman take that is like, yeah. it melts my heart, but like also it's like interesting watching, seeing two different artists do two completely different takes, but they're still very recognizable and still incredibly like, oh wow, I wish this was also a movie. I would cry. I know. Mm-hmm. I love that. For this Superboy. Yeah, um. <laughs> characters that like that, that are uh, not literally public domain, but like um, just a public characters that are prominently known um but totally just like rife for uh personal fan interpretation i love that Mm -hmm. uh so going to that point um i have newfound rage for um copyright being what it is oh these days yes i'm sure you um, have like a are you going to become an, an entertainment lawyer no oh no 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 derek no please i don't have i don't have that in my heart i took one um, semester of entertainment law and it broke my brain it's <laughs> it's really not it's it's not really that complicated an area of law but it is maybe evil, evil. so yeah. um i'm i'm not about it um so I'll let you know what area of law I'm about when I know what area of law I'm about. Um, Good. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I think about the fact that uh, for so long in human history, stories didn't belong to people. And so you could retell and remix and, and there was a lot more um, there was a lot more value in that or value placed on that yeah you know like there is no sherlock holmes story that isn't real or air quotes fanfic or whatever yeah um and i think that's amazing and i think that's perfect um and it i sit here with certain amount of rage that like basically everything disney owns except for maybe star wars still i don't need to run some numbers on that if i would to be sure about the dates and whatnot but um uh shouldn't belong to anyone period so well i know i know at least with star wars they recently um opened up the fan art space a bit they have like a page on their website that like details like here's what's okay here's what's not okay if you're gonna make a fan film but nobody can make nobody can make profit from it no yeah no and that's that is a huge thing yeah and that's the for me that's the problem right is that they still get to say what's okay yeah what the rules are Mm -hmm. and i think that that's really sad in terms of um uh shared storytelling as a as a medium yeah. as as a thing period and it's, it's just it feels like it's just a tiny little crumb that they're giving like well mm-hmm. here here's a way that you can protect yourself from a copyright strike by knowing the rules but it it is still rules that the company is presenting as opposed to right. artistic freedom right yep. or, or fair use which yeah fair use is already it's not necessarily complicated it's just it's it's difficult it can be difficult to prove fair use is <sighs> this does not constitute legal advice um <laughs> the most begrudging caveat ever <laughs> fair use is not that hard to actually prove 
um, in reality. Uh, you just have to use it for specific purposes. And those purposes are almost never because I want to tell a story with this thing. Right. It's satire. It's, um, it's education. It's those sorts of situations. If you're in those realms, it's pretty easy to get fair use for those sorts of things. Um, relatively speaking, of course. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's video essays, for example. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I watched that really long one about that horror game that you recommended to me. Oh, the um, Pathologic. Pathologic. The Have you heard of this game? Guy? Yeah. Mm. You heard of Pathologic Day? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you watched this like no. hour video essay? You too have scared. To. No, you, you simply to. must. Yeah. It's it's uh, so okay, amazing. share me the link. All it's, right. It's not. Uh, yeah. I'm it has this. been. I just had a flashback. I was like, it's been years since since Clara's bullied me into doing something with horror. Wait, what was the last time? Oh yeah, I don't remember, but it's been a long. It's long enough that I've forgotten what it is. But I just had like a like I just felt eighteen again. Like I was just oh like, God. oh yeah, I remember this used to happen all the time, and it's a fucking miracle I've never been to, to like terror in the corn somehow. Um. Oh my god, I. I don't know if I went to tear in the court. That sounds like it would. That was that was way more jewels. Yeah, that was okay. way more her. Um, but yeah, but oh that's so funny. Yeah, just earlier, Derek yeah. and I were talking about how like we are both weenies when it comes to horror. But like me personally, I still just like I love it. Yeah, <laughs> I love horror genre so much, <sighs> and like I. I put myself through it because it is so rewarding for me. But what that does mean is like in order to protect myself, oftentimes with horror movies, I'm just like, I have my eyes closed for an extended period. <laughs> like, I'm, just, I'm still just like watching through my fingers, literally. Mm-hmm. But like, Fair. that is, it, it is because it still rewards me so much. Um, mm-hmm. But no, that, uh, that pathologic video, uh, it is not that scary. Okay. As, as a sensitive person, it is All right. not that scary. Yeah. It's All right. Send me. Send me a link. Yeah. It's oh, frustrating. No. Fair <laughs> enough. It's so entertaining. The and way that confusing. he presents yeah. the entire game. Like, it is, it's his pitch for it, but he's also like, don't play it. Yeah. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah. It's an incredible game. 10 out of 10. Do not play it under any circumstances. <laughs> yeah. I think hmm. that's, like, the, the huge takeaway. I just remember watching that over the course of, like, two or three days and being mm-hmm. like, what is life... <laughs> yeah yeah and that is a video essay that um is completely reliant on footage from the game and like that that is the case for so many video essays and that that is the problem that they run into is that this is mm-hmm. footage which like i assume is fair use maybe i don't know but like uh, well basically for academic purposes for learning purposes for all of this it's basically going down to like okay if if we can't quote your work we can't talk about your work like basically is that like it's a question in which it comes down to like well are you going to put a copyright on every like random house are you going to put a copyright on every kid whoever writes an essay in 10th grade for on to kill a mockingbird like is that it's it's so there are these areas in which it's it's allowed and one of the very key things i have noticed um having done very little research or work in the area like very very little is that most of the fair use realms like end up being these situations in which you're never going to make a ton of money with this anyways 
<laughs> like, I firmly believe that there is somebody out there who could make a Superman movie on $20,000 that would blow anything Warner Bros. can do out of the water. Totally. I, I firmly believe that. Um, and it has everything to do with the fact that they actually love, care, and understand the character and won't be under weird pressures and such could take a risk. That is why. That is why I think that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that movie would make so much fucking money, is the thing. However, a video essay um, about Man of Steel, on the other hand, that will not make, that can make one person some money, probably. Mm-hmm. Assuming they keep making us video essays regularly and follow the algorithm and all of this, right? Just sponsored by Squarespace. Yep, squ- <laughs> sponsored by Squarespace. But you know what that is? That is an advertisement that's seen by half a million, couple million people that Warner Brothers did not have to pay for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, so then are you saying that uh, Warner Brothers would still consider that to be advantageous? Yes. And therefore that they have not fought to have any laws changed to do that. I, I will say this. As someone going into law who likes what I'm learning in its own way. Um, I will say this about the law. Every first year law student will roughly take the following mix of classes that I am taking right now, um, which happens to be contracts, uh, legislation, regulate, uh, legislation, regulations. Weird. We're going to leave that off the table. It's, (laughs) it's, it's basically legal analysis, the class sort of, so it's not doctrinal. Um, so it's, Contracts, uh, civil procedure, which is the rules of civil lawsuits, um, uh, torts, which is injury injury law, um, legal writing, of course. So we can kind of we can kick that off to the side as well. Um, and then next semester, I will take constitutional law, uh, criminal law, and property. So you take out the classes that are kind of just about like thinking in law ways and writing in law ways. We have uh, two classes about um, managing business interests. That's people's property and that's contracts. You have a class based on the rules of legal procedure. Um, You have one class about um, throwing people in jail. You have one class about uh, the rules of civil civil lawsuits, and you have one class about um, injuries, um, however, non-criminal injuries, that's torts, and torts is in some ways about helping people out when they're harmed. Um, often by companies, but it's also about defending torts because you have to remember that's how each of these classes works, right? You are not, you are learning how the law, the rules apply. So I would also, in this case, probably kick out CivPro and Con Law um, because those are about the rules of our overall system. And you are left with four classes, um, two about the economy, one about really about throwing people in jail, and one that is sometimes about helping people. That is the doctrinal basis of law. Our system of law is based around protecting people's property and business interests over people. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I firmly believe that the copy the re, the way our copyright and fair use works is because it doesn't harm the people who hold the the copyright. I just feel like I would struggle with that a lot. Yeah, ethically. Yeah, just yeah. in terms of like the amount of the career that is oriented towards maintenance of the status quo. I have no doubt that that's something that you've probably thought about for a non-zero amount of time. I scream every time I have to read Justice Scalia's words. Every time. <laughs> oh. It's heartbreaking. Um, I will say this. It, the one ray of hope I will, I will shine towards law and then I will get off this soapbox so we can talk about <laughs> Zelda in a minute. Um, <laughs> is the law ends up is, is less... Um, for better and worse, uh, the law is the people who practice it. Full stop. Mm. Um, it is, there are rules. Yeah. yeah. There are rules, there are guidelines, but it, it, is, it is entirely the people who practice it. That's the lawyers, that's the judges, that's the attorneys general, that's all of it, you know. And so depending on who's practicing and in what area it changes what what the law actually is mm-hmm. right like you've heard about like certain types of prosecutors coming into being like the lead prosecutor in a city and suddenly people aren't getting thrown in jail for minor ma- marijuana possession mm-hmm. that is perfectly legal and that is entirely due with the person in that position Okay. So wow. So big change really can happen. That was such a Pollyanna statement that I made mm-hmm. just now. I guess because yeah. I really had no idea what. Because I like I am really just not that familiar with law as a institution. So it's hard for me to understand how change happens. Well, yeah, it cha- it changes. Like if you look at the Supreme Court, the reason it is the way it is. It's not because the Supreme Court discovered some weird, like, rule in Dobbs such that, like, we can overturn Roe. They decided that they wanted to overturn Roe, and then they found some legal rigmarole to do it. Mm-hmm. It is that it is really that that simple. The, the words conform. They, they constrain. The words of a law can constrain, but not entirely. And so it comes down to the people. So, for example, and it, it, I'm serious, like, be like, be very conscious of who you vote for as a judge. Be very conscious of the attorney general, like all of that. That is hugely important because here's a here's a wild fact. So to be an unconstitute to do to go to do something against the the Constitution, you basically have to be a an entity. Because to be against the Constitution, you have to be able to act at such a level um, that an individual almost never can, right? Because you need enough power to be, you know, uh, taking away people's rights, or right? Like, you have to do that. There is an exception. As a lawyer, you, an individual, can act unconstitutionally, mm-hmm. which is impossible for an average person to do. So That is so much to chew on. Yeah. What you're saying is mm-hmm. that the 2008 Mystery Guitar Man proposal video starring the Iceman as a lawyer who goes rogue to avenge someone, that's perfectly legal. 
No. What? <laughs> that is not what I'm saying at all. What you're saying? Okay. That is not even close to what I'm saying. But that's a nice try. It's a good try. Uh, it's a good try. Uh, more of what I'm saying is that, like, uh, if you're really racist in your jury selections, you can be an unconstitutional lawyer. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Okay. <laughs> There yeah, we go. very different, my very different. Brain. There's also, I have been teased by one of my professors. One of them told me um, that, that you can also somehow be unconstitutional as a family law person, specifically. And I don't know how. I don't understand how. And so um, I need to find that out. Um, Teachers also, just didn't follow up. <laughs> oh, no, because we were in Civ Pro and she was trying to teach us like how to appeal and we're all focused on that. And she oh. just said it in an offhand way. And I'm like, oh, God, I guess I have to come back to that someday. Um, but right now I need to know what Rule 54B means. Um, <laughs> and so I, I, I'm oddly interested in family law, so I probably end up will finding this out by taking her class. But also she said one of the most metal things to me, and I keep telling people this because it like she hates the federal courts a little bit. Um, uh, because she not only because they do shitty things, but because she thinks that they're lazy. Um, and they are. Uh, the federal courts won't take um, like tons and tons of cases. They'll just shunt them back onto state courts because they don't have jurisdiction. Um, which really means that the, the federal judge didn't want to do the job. Um, and so she, what did she say? She's like, yeah, they're lazy. They don't do real work. It's real work getting people divorced and dead. And I was like, Jesus Christ. That's, she's just terrifying. I, I, just, I need you to picture this coming out of the, vo the, the mouth of a woman who's like five foot nothing um, and like tiny and just rage. Um, Sounds like my mom. <laughs> Kinda, yeah. Very similar to me. like she said something very similar about how like yeah, dying is legally very complicated. It is. If you don't prepare for dying legally, you're it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> it causes problems. Yeah. And you can uh, you can sue people and be sued posthumously. Huh. It's wonderful. Yeah. Tons of cases. So you bring can it on. beyond no. the grave. <laughs> <laughs> bring oh. it on three. Yeah. And here's the here's the thing. I um, dare you. <laughs> there's some poor sap who has to like pretend to be you, basically. Um no and I don't mean like your lawyer, your lawyer who's like managing your estate. There's someone called an executor who has to basically oh, no. sit there and kind of be you. It's very strange. Um Law is also big giant pretend is the other thing. Oh, yeah. Um everybody's playing pretend. Wow. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah, cuz like laws like they're not you know describing or reinforcing like immutable truths about humanity. They or society thought so though. Or anything. No, but they thought so. Yeah. Seriously, I'm not even I'm not even joking. The common law was like a th they thought that it was like a scientific thing to be discovered mm -hmm. like for like from like the 1600s until like early 1900s. It's terrifying. Sorry, keep going. We should talk about Zelda soon. I'm I'm I've like pulled don't, us off track into law land. Don't worry. Don't no, this worry. Is, there's no track. Like <laughs> we're not a train right now. It's more this conversation is kind of like a soup yeah. where it we're sort of just like we're we're having a bite of potato, we're having a yeah. bite of carrot. We're, like we're deep in the soup. We're right we're now. kind of going back and forth. We could go all the way back to high school. You don't know what's happening next. Yeah. We're keeping yeah, on it's, the coast. It's yeah, we're deep in the soup. That's good. I like yeah. being deep in the soup. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Before before we eventually move on to talk about Zelda. <laughs> Which is going to be in another episode, mind. So I don't know yeah. why I keep saying it like we're going <laughs> to stay here. Next time on. Um, before that, Clara, 
Um, since we've all had soapboxes, yeah, I, I want to give you a soapbox, a little Clara box. Oh my God, to say whatever you want for as mm. long as you want right now, <sighs> like just about anything, and we'll just chime in. Um, you know what? Well, here's the thing. I'm an opinionated person. I'm a picky person. I could um, get on a soapbox and stay on a soapbox for hours and hours on a number of things. But <laughs> just like one of, the, one of the things that I had on my mind after listening to the episode with Leah, this actually does go back to the subject of high school. Um, one of your like conclusions that you guys were making was high school fucking sucks. High school sucked for us. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I have my series of reasons that I feel like um, are the reasons that it sucks nearly universally Mm. for kids that go through high school. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the very core problems, none of us were getting enough sleep. None of us were getting the amount of sleep that people going through puberty need or anyone needs because the school buses have to be on a schedule. They have to get us at a certain time in the morning. So Mm -hmm. it's simply dictated around that. And also to an extent dictated around sports practice afterwards, there needs to be enough time for sports to happen afterwards. So then that does also mean that there is time for band and extracurriculars, but the priority is always sports. So that is a huge reason. We're not getting enough sleep. So we're also not getting enough time to emotionally process things because we are, we are young adults trying to understand more and more of the world. Um, And the rest of our time out of school is monopolized by homework. Like it does not have to be that way. There are other countries where homework is not a part of the school system. And it's like, been indicated to be very successful i just preach on this i'm yeah. back to doing homework St- still true still true yeah. it's 100 percent true continue i just like I, it's definitely something that i have this sort of righteous feeling maybe righteous anger about that i think like homework even though it was just a complete given for all of us uh, throughout all of our um academic lives it did not have to be that way we still totally could have been learning during the seven and a half entire hours uh during the day so i think those two like very basic factors um are just so damaging like sleep deprivation uh is so physically damaging to your body and not having free time, not having any space to um, be your own person outside of productivity, that is incredibly mentally damaging. And it, like, obviously it is because uh, school, most schools, especially the American public schools, such as we went to, um, they are uh, oriented around capitalism. They are oriented around uh, preparing us to be workers in school. Like, you know, we were talking about uh, the SATs. Um, they are not testing your knowledge. They are testing your ability to take the test. So your actual knowledge is not as functional. It is 
how you can um, follow the rules. And, like, nothing of what I'm saying right now is at all revolutionary. Like, people have said this before and said it more intelligently. But I think I'm just, like, I am very haunted by high school. And I, like, up until recently, I wasn't necessarily willing to use the word trauma for it. But I think I am actually profoundly traumatized by high school. I constantly have hilarious stress dreams about high school one of my most constant recurring dreams is it's the first day of high school i can't open my locker i don't know where any of my classes are i don't know what my next class is i can't pull it up on my phone um and it just like it feels so real i dream very vividly i kind of wish that i didn't sometimes i have fun dreams and those are like when it's vivid like like oh my gosh i'm in the ocean this is great no (laughs) i would if i could just if i could turn off dreaming i would make that choice maybe that's a little bit sad to say but just like oh my god go into the settings go into my dream turn it off (laughs) or schedule it from this hour to that hour i know but it's it's really it's something that's like stuck in my subconscious um and it's like i like a little while ago i was telling christina about that and she's like well you've had a couple times where like on the first day of school like you actually like couldn't get into your locker and you had like problems with that i was like oh yeah i so did so it is sort of it's like it is based on uh concrete experiences that i've mm. had but it just like when it's in dream form it's this like very uh <sighs> concentrated sort of non-literal manifestation of this like stress that like kind of got trapped yeah trapped in my subconscious um so yeah part of part of why i have this righteous anger is for the state of everyone but it's also just like for myself yeah shit sucked Mm -hmm. yeah and like for me the best part of high school was mainly just my friends it was like i had a really great friend group i had you guys and i still have you guys like that is i i really value that like looking back on high school that that's really my favorite part of it and my second favorite part of it were the was the classes that uh were fun like uh world history with boris that oh. was great mm. oh, <laughs> yeah yeah we all had that class together uh-huh. yeah that was fun that was my a art classes were great ap euro was good oh Sorry, I'm going to derail. Uh, my sister has mainland right now. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. What and she, she had Shoop last year. Sorry. Oh, wow. Yeah, she uh, she doesn't like either of them fair. because they're hard. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. Which, you know, it's yeah. bad. High school is bad. Uh-huh. And it's not, it's not voluntary, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's the other thing that, like, kills me about it is, like, Law school is kicking my ass right now. Mm-hmm. I, it, it is. It is. I signed up. Consciously, willingly. I co- signed up for a year and a half every day. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that's very different. It changes your... It changes your, your perspective on it, right? Like, mm-hmm. as opposed to being like, you have to be here. You have to take these classes. You don't get a choice. And you're going to be penalized. And you're in comparison with all of your peers in a really bad way and all it sucks yeah yeah that's another aspect of it like the um punishment or just like the reaction to a student struggling um so often is just the opposite of what they need if a student is not doing well 
they need support. Obviously, situations are different, but like students get punished for mm-hmm. failure rather than increased support. Yeah. Like, how can we help you not fail next time? Like, yeah. instead of it being like, well, you just can't do it. You just got to figure it out because something's wrong with you. Um, which is, yeah. the, oh, it's just never great to tell a kid in their puberty times, and especially like in not just middle school, but all, yeah, but high school, especially just because like that's a, I don't know. High school's like, I mean, like high school, especially our high school, like a lot of Midwest high schools was like, you know, sports, cheerleaders, mm-hmm. and then everyone else. Um, mm-hmm. Sports cheerleaders, I guess theater and band kids, followed by like the robotics kids. And then like our little section of the world, which was a good chunk of the arts kids. Uh-huh. And a few stragglers from the engineering department. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it was funny. You, just, you described our group as being like, the outcasts of the outcasts which like that's kind of funny to me i don't think i felt like an outcast in the like grander scheme of school because we just like we kept to ourselves yeah it was like our group was our group and there wasn't like in terms of unifying factors like uh there was band there was theater uh but not like universally for us Mm -hmm. um i think like one of uh the pretty common factors was we were a bunch of overachievers. Dane, I remember you being an exception to that. And I kind of wish I would have taken a page out of your book in high school because I overachieved. And for what? And for what? I went to high school. I went to art school (laughs) after high school. Like my grades did not matter, but Mm -hmm. I just like separate of teacher uh, approval, separate of parental approval over the course of those four years or even the seven years if you're including middle school, I built up these personal standards that were like inextricable from the authority standards where like uh, the ways that I could fail were just numerous. I like, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I remember relaxed. I remember that you, Christina, Amy, Robert, he who shall not be named, um, Cordell, like there were a bunch of people, you guys were like very, Gage, yeah, Gage, um, you guys were very high, high academic achievers. Yes. And I want to be really clear, um, what, what she means by relaxed is I was cool getting like an 89 or 90 and being like, yeah. nice. Like, I was like, that's a weighted five or B plus in this weighted class. That's still an A. Good for me. Like, that's that's what we mean by relaxed. Um, so that, that gives you an idea of like what my standards were. Yeah, 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 yeah. You wanted that A, but it's actually an A plus or whatever, or like a, a four, yeah. but it's actually a weighted but because no, you wanted a five, that's a weird six. I don't know how math works. Yeah, you and guys were what? You guys were gunning for like four point five plus GPAs. <laughs> was like what was going on? Yeah. Um, I guess I would like just in case, you know, because yeah. I, I I didn't lock into going to art school until uh, second part of junior year. You know, when we're all applying to stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, even then, like. It would have been 
I would have been okay. Like my parents were not excessively strict about grades mm -hmm. and I, I'm really grateful for that. They still like, they had high expectations for me. Sure. But they, I wouldn't be punished for instance. So like, it, girl, just get a B, like <laughs> live with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, you know, what's also weird though. Art school has surprisingly high expectations for your mm -hmm. grades and test scores. Like, hmm. like the college I went to, I looked at the chart of what was required and they should be like, this is where most people applying and who have gotten in are. This is where you are. And I wasn't even on the graph. I was below the axis. Really? Yeah. That wasn't like, necessarily the case for me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why, but my, my college was like, yeah, you need at least a 29 at ACT and like at least a 4.2 GPA. And I had neither of those. Oh. And so I was like, I'm literally going to only get in by the skin of my portfolio. And that's terrifying. But... At the same time, I think the reason why I always refer to our, our friend group as like the outcasts of outcasts is because like I had the weird, I don't want to say privilege, but I was interacting with a lot of the greater student body because of like yearbook and like video mm -hmm. announcements and other clubs. And people would always be like, who do you hang out with? And I'd be like, uh, I, I hang out with like, and I'd list all the folks and they're like, who are they? And it's like, oh, that's weird. And they were like, wait, who are you? Us. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, I'm that guy that does those bad video announcements. And they're like, oh, yeah, the unfunny announcements. Yeah. Yes. That's what I was like known for. And so it was like. It that was, wasn't a yes of agreement. That was that was a yes of like, that's hilarious. Yes. That's like the student. That was the student body's perception of like our, our strange friend group. Because also we were like, because like also like I think like, you know, it's like our school, our, our class only had like 500 kids. And mm -hmm. I make all these YouTube videos featuring everyone. And those would get like 400 views. Um, you and mean so, like the individual class or like the whole student body? I thought I thought the whole student body was more like 1,200. Yeah, whole student yeah. body. Yeah. Okay, yeah. our individual saying. like senior class was like 420 kids. Right. Our senior class was particularly big. We were mm. actually small. Really? Yeah, we were I think the smallest one by the time we graduated. Oh. Because um, the class after us was like 500 plus, mm, and it's yeah. only gotten bigger. But interesting. Um. You know, like people used to watch all these videos that I'd make of all of us. And like, I think they just had this weird dissociation that we were real people. We were just a bunch uh -huh. of people on YouTube, <laughs> on early Facebook um, yeah. back yeah, in the just, day. Most of us just kind of kept to ourselves. Yeah. I just like, yeah, people mm -hmm. did not know me. I did not have like a school-wide reputation or anything. Like, I think if, if anyone was going to know me, like, one step removed, they would be like, oh, she, yeah, she's the, like, art kid, right? Like, she does art. You know, like, I, I think I know her. I've seen her around. But, like, I did not have a reputation, which, frankly, ooh, Arguably, fine. that's probably I, the best part. Is yeah. that we did I did, that. though. Oh, yeah, you did. I did. Yes. That yes, was did. partially my dating, and that was partially being a cancer survivor, though. Right. That was, yeah. Yeah. So that, do you think, mm -hmm. like, by the end of uh, high school, what, like, percentage of the student body would have known you to some extent? Uh, I'm going to say high, something like 90%. Um, and my, my reasoning behind this is, as I have stuck around uh, in the area, I am routinely recognized by people who went to high school who recognize me that I do not recognize. 
That is wild. Wow, you're like a celebrity? No. Nope. Nope. Not even close. You gotta get like a pair of like Gucci sunglasses. I know. Nope, I do not. I do not have to do that. And and I will not do it. I'm gonna get you some carrot workout chains. It's gonna be okay. I promise it's gonna be okay. And then like. You can like just dress like a Kingdom Hearts character. I and be slick. super cool. I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna pass if that's cool. I'm no. gonna pass. Um, no, I'm kidding. Uh, Claire, I did, but I I know we have to we have to we have to wrap up this up. But I do want to talk to you. I just uh, you you were talking about the whole like grades thing and how it's like chill out, get a B. Um, so new fun interesting thing about law school to get into law school you have to be that person where you can't chill out about getting the b um especially in 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 undergrad you have to do that where it gets actually harder to you know because you can't play like the weighted game or whatever um but like i had an easier time because i was in music and so like the number of classes that were actually academically challenging every semester was pretty low as compared to being like i showed up every day for band i got an a um you know like I had an easier time with that, but what that I have noticed is, so do you guys know how law school is graded? Just, no. um, it's graded on a curve, um, ah. specifically a B plus median curve, um, which high? means, uh, or low for a curve. It's kind of high. Okay. Um, where the, basically the middle person, the has to get a B plus, um, and so what that means is that the vast majority of people get a B plus um, in their class. Like that's what that's what you get. And if you do, you're doing great. Like because it's you're hanging with everybody. You're you're, grab, you're grasping the material. Nobody's worried. Like that's great if you have a B plus average. Um, however, the way it, grading works is basically you do. There is almost nothing for like participation or like side. You just take your exam, you get that one grade, and that's it, basically. Um, but there have been a couple of side side assignments in a couple of classes, and some people who I've watched who have clearly never gotten lower than an A minus on anything they've ever done in their life get handed a B or God forbid a C plus mm-hmm. for the first time. It is very hard to watch 22, 23, 24-year-olds crying in a hall. Mm. It is. Like, I I, I am... They they bug me a little bit. Like, that gets under my skin. Mm-hmm. Um, it is it is weird. It is really weird because, like, th- basically, the, the, the new system is asking you to be happy with something that the system up until this point has told them that is bad. And under those, like self-imposed parental imposed i don't know um mm-hmm. frameworks and really so it's just by many different facets depending on yeah the yeah and so it's really weird it's really weird to watch people who go about like day to day these are like normal adults like you know young adults but like normal adults <laughs> smart ask good questions funny all of it and then like break down over a letter on a paper in 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 the hall and i'm just like what is happening and i think that speaks to what you were saying claire about the uh, trauma it's traumatic Mm -hmm. right because i can't i can't think of another reason this is it doesn't make sense 
Um, it just doesn't make sense. They are operating within a framework that they're used to. They're operating mm-hmm. under expectations, uh, really high expectations that if you zoom out, like if you have sort of a perspective that you, Dane, have, it'll seem silly. But like, that is what they know. Yeah. Yeah. So I relate to both the kid crying and also you being annoyed. Like it just, ugh, it sucks. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know. It's like, I tried talking to one of them because I was, I was so thrown. I thought something much worse was going on. Um, and I tried, I tried this like frame of reference where I was like, look, 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 like, don't, don't, don't stress. It's a B. This was the average. This was like, this meant you're with all of us. Like everybody, like, I was like, I gotta be, they gotta be like, we're all here. Like, don't you think everybody here is kind of brilliant and awesome? Don't you want to be average compared to these people? I do. I want to be average when compared to you. Like, I want to be with you in that. Like, you're awesome. Did not work. Did not work. Um, I thought that was like a very like, it it did not work. Um, (laughs) And so I was like, okay, all right. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to pretend I didn't see you next time. I think I'm just going to walk on by. Yeah. Rip. The K through JD folks. Probably would have cheered me up. (laughs) I mean, if I was in your shoes, I probably would have like had to clasp my hand over my mouth to prevent myself from laughing. Um, (laughs) Sometimes it's like when like you think something's gonna be like when you prepare yourself for the worst and you find out it's oh it's actually something like to you is like kind of not that bad. It's like oh uh, how do I do that? Yeah, so I'm terrible at that, but. It's all about perspective. I, I guess what I'm saying is I wish I I wish I knew a little bit more about what like you went through, Clara, because I'm I I I want to have more sympathy and empathy for them, I guess is what I'm saying. That's okay. I think like what you've said, you already understand like on a intellectual, logical level what the reason is. It's expectations. It's what they know. It's what they're yeah. used to. It's probably their parents, it's probably authority some combination of it it's definitely mm-hmm. how they've synth- synthesized that into their own expectations that's a good point that's a very good point thank you for giving me advice on law school i appreciate that god yeah. who knew that's what i would be doing today yeah who knew yeah. soup soup yeah. <laughs> all right well with that i think we've finished our soup um in probably a record dane and Derek episode um yeah how are you gonna cut this one down i don't know uh maybe i won't just for the shit extended cut soup (laughs) (laughs) well with that uh as you probably heard us say several times next week or whenever the next episode comes out i don't know if it'll be next week we'll be talking about the legend of zelda also with clara but for now we're gonna say goodbye so bye friends farewell bye bye (laughs) 